everybody in Serial Killer Country. My name is Brittany Ransom. And my name is Brian Joyner. And this is When Killers Got Caught, a podcast devoted to deep dives into the lives and psyches of the killers we love to learn about. Each week, Brian and I find a true crime story that resonated with us. Then I will discuss one well-known or lesser-known killer, go deep into their childhood, lives, methodology, and most importantly, how they got caught. And then we get a little spooky and we'll learn something about cryptids or the supernatural with Brian. Yay. <laughs> I never know what to say after that. That's me. I don't know. Is it a good intro? Who knows? Yes, that's me. But uh, yeah, so I guess it's just simple. We don't have any uh, extra sponsors this week. No. Uh, but we do have some exciting news, which is that there are t-shirts coming. Yeah. In the next couple weeks. We got the first test products back in and they look good. And we'll have uh, like a slightly thicker shirt for folks who, uh, I don't know, want to be warm this summer. I hope not. <laughs> yeah, extra sweaty. And then a, a lighter weight shirt that's a little more snug for oh. people who like those like fits. I would hope they don't want to be sweaty. They're black shirts too. Well, uh, well they, you can get them in different colors. Okay. Well, the ones that we got are black shirts. Okay? That's because <laughs> you and I have dark, dark souls. This is true. But uh, yeah, that's something that's coming soon. We are working on setting up uh, tiers for like a Patreon. Yes, uh, we're so getting that there. we can maintain kind of a less ad centric podcast. Nobody likes to have the action disrupted multiple times. No, yeah, we can have yeah, like you said, less ads, but that way we can still afford to run a podcast. Ex- exactly. There you go. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> but either way, uh, this week in true crime. I happened to come across a video from the New York Post about a woman who, how do I explain this? So she got arrested first. We'll explain that part first. She got arrested for like, oh, here we go. So her name is Jessica Boomershine. And this happened in Ohio. And she was arrested for breaking into an 85-year-old's home and assaulting him at gunpoint. And so she's in Dayton, Ohio, in like the booking area. And so there's a video. The video is her. She while she's waiting for booking, she, I don't know why she thought this would work, but she stands up on her chair and tries to climb into the ceiling. Are there video cameras? Yes, there is a there's video footage of oh, her trying okay, to do this. Okay, so you got CCTV stuff mm-hmm. going on. Okay. Um, and she like wriggles through the ceiling, but like. Is uh, I always say this to people all the time. It's not like the movies. Those drop ceilings cannot hold people weight. Oh no! And so she immediately falls back down as soon as she gets up. Like they could barely. I bet they couldn't even um, hold my weight. <laughs> and so on top of facing, you know, uh, armed robbery charges and uh, assaulting an eighty-five-year-old man, she's now uh, facing charges for trying to escape prison. That she hadn't even gotten into yet. Oh my god! And destruction of property for ruining their ceiling in Central Booking. Girl, you just you should just sit in your seat. She's she looked a little bruised in the face when I saw her like photo. Well, she fell from the ceiling, right? I think she must have just <laughs> fell and hit her face, but like like a lot falls down, and oh. then she's like dangling. So yeah, you can look it up online. Her name is Jessica Boomershine, and poor Jessica. No poor Jessica, it's her fault. Just, people are just not the smartest. Sometimes. Things don't work Criminals out the way in movies. No, not at all. But that was the one that I saw, and I just chuckled for an entirely too long time. Hilarious. Mission possible. <laughs> yeah, mission impossible. That's true. Impossible, you're going to get out of prison. <laughs> 
fam. Like what? Like and and like it's not even like because when I first saw like, you know, a parent jailbreak comes crashing down. I thought maybe she was in prison and she had orchestrated some sort of a prison break. Mm-hmm. She was barely in. She had just gotten arrested. She was in the booking section. <laughs> Oh my goodness! But yeah, and then she like fell on like a trash can. It was just totally like you, you comedy. You poor stupid idiot. <laughs> That's really what you got to say. You poor idiot. <laughs> oh goodness. Okay. Well, hey, guess what? What? I got a story from PA. Oh, good. I love Pennsylvania <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> this one comes from Lackawanna County. I couldn't point that out on a map. Um, I think it's. East, northeast from where? Oh, wait, northeast from where we are? I think it's, like, eastern. So, like, heading towards New York? I think it's heading towards, like... New York, Joyzy? Lackawanna, Lackawanna. Come on, I know where that's at. I think I've driven by there before. It sounds familiar, but I I I couldn't pull it on the map. I think it's around the area. It has to be around the area. Anyway, headline reads... Police break up exorcism at PA and Home Depot. I saw this about 10 times across all of my Pennsylvania groups. <laughs> Even in my local community, like, neighborhood group, this was posted. I found this. This was this is actually posted in Penn Live. So <laughs> It's been everywhere all weekend. I, I've i been holding on to this. I was like, I saw it. I was like, saving you for Monday. <laughs> Let me, I'm trying to, like, look at the map right now. Where? But it so, happened in Lackawanna. I didn't yeah. look to see where it happened. So it says police in Lackawanna County broke up an exorcism in the lumber aisle of a home improvement store Monday. It was a Home Depot. So this was last Monday, uh, the 24th. Yeah. yeah. It was a Home Depot. So it says, wait, I, I guess. Oh, it's not far from Scranton. Yeah. Like I said, Northeastern. Everybody knows Scranton. Yeah. The Electric the City. <laughs> yes, yeah, the office. Electric City. The Electric City. That ain't no Electric City. It is the Electric City. Ain't nothing going on in Scranton. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm such a Philly snob. I'm so sorry, y'all. Terrible. I only love Philadelphia, and I'm sad I'm not there now. You gotta, you gotta get some respect to Scranton, just a little bit. I want to go back to, to Scranton. I know. No, right? to Philly. <laughs> I don't. I've never even. I don't think I've, I've probably only driven through Scranton. I've been there for a little bit. Um. Man, it says details of scares on what was actually going on inside the Home Depot. Um, they, from what? Okay. Did they say why they were doing the exorcism? Um, it says for bad. It said it. Well, it says they were. The police came. They escorted people out for bad behavior. Um, it was. It was because of the trees. The, the yes, lumber. yes, yes. It they says were ex- trying to. The exorcism was let held. the spirits out of the wood. <laughs> the exorcism was held for the trees that had been turned into lumber. Yep. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Um, That's what I think of when I think of Pennsylvania. That sort of weirdness. I don't even know how that would work. I've seen exorcisms before. Well, you know, you know, movies. The exorcism of Emily Rose. And... Well, I was thinking, like, what's uh, Rosewood? <laughs> of Rosewood. Yeah, Emily Rosewood. Aww. There you go. Oh, my God. But <laughs> I just don't know how it will work out. You're throwing holy water onto the lumber. <laughs> yep. It's It's been everywhere. Like, that's crazy. Um. Yeah. So home. Let's see. Uh, but it definitely. I like. I definitely did see an article from Philadelphia that said it was Home Depot. Mm-hmm. 
Definitely Home Depot. That's what it says. It says 326 uh, Commerce Boulevard at 326 p.m. Commerce yeah. Boulevard at Home Depot. At, well, you know, 3 p.m. is the witching hour, <laughs> according to the spooks. It's 3.30 a.m. Listen, <laughs> they say it had to be 3.30 a.m. It could have been 3.30 p.m. Oh, my goodness. Listen, 3.33, that's when the demons come out. 12 afternoon and in the morning. But were the trees haunting Home Listen, Depot? Listen, what times your kids get off of school? Because that is when the demons get out. This is true. That, that, <laughs> makes, that makes a lot of sense now. God damn it. Um. <laughs> anyway... Where they, I mean, it doesn't say if the trees, if they thought the trees were haunting the Home Depot or I what. It I mean, I could assume one would think if you think that everything has a spirit, maybe that everything to, is haunting everything. Yeah, I guess maybe they wanted to release the spirits, the tree spirits. But I mean, from the then is, is I mean, my apartment <clears throat> has wooden floors. Are they haunting me? Oh my god! Um, the walls are made of wood, aren't they? Inside, yeah, haunting sure. me. Listen, I'm sure this building is not made out of wood. <laughs> There's got to be something made out of wood in here. You think it's all Maybe concrete? Maybe the flooring, yeah, but that's about it. Listen, the walls show enough are not concrete because I can hear everything. Uh, that's true. Somebody's upstairs. They're made out of paper. Bink, bink. bink. I can hear that hammer, so. Your walls are made out of paper, so there you go. Listen, I don't complain because I feel like if you live in an apartment, you just got to live with that stuff. That's true, that's true. You do, you have not earned the right of privacy. Um... <laughs> Two more things. It says close to 200 comments on the post. Oh, geez. Have begged for more details. They're not giving any more details right? about it. And then um, it says there's no indication the incident had anything to do with the price of lumber. Uh, so. <laughs> wow. And it says, according to reports, no charges have been filed at this time. So. I just want to know what that looked like. I, same. I just want to. Like, and like who was there working at Home Depot? And, and they like turn the aisle, take in like you I, know Paula and James who are redoing their bathroom <laughs> into the hall, and there's just a bunch of people in capes. I just want to see someone post a TikTok about it because I know there's one out there. There has to be a video of it out there. Home Depot employees, come on, help me out. I want to watch some video. Well, the did you see the original Facebook post? Because what it was, was it was not. a list of all of the criminal activity that happened on June 21st. So it was like, you know, 12 a.m. They were looking for a juvenile who was out when they weren't supposed to be. Then 2.15, assault. 2.58, looking for the same people who assaulted people earlier. Oh, God. 8.13 a.m., debris in the roadway. 8.23, suspicious person on this block. 8.36, Dollar Tree lot for a dog waste complaint. Also, is Lackawanna that free from crime that you call when you see poop? I... It's great. I mean, no, it's great. It's up in Reading area. I'm not sure. But yeah, uh, then there was a traffic stop, traffic stop, welfare check on a person. And then all of a sudden it gets to 326 disorderly people having an exorcism in the lumber aisle for dead trees. They were escorted <laughs> out of the building. And what happened was somebody circled that and it got posted in my, <laughs> it had to be Pennsylvania group. And people were like, I don't even care about the rest of the day. Can someone please give us more details about this? That's all I want. I want more details about this exorcism. I need to know what the, <laughs> Oh my yeah, God. Uh, you know what though? Someone literally says, why would someone call the police for dog poop in a parking lot? Mm. Someone says probably because somebody stepped in it when they were getting out of their car. It was right next to where they got out of the car. But who knows? Yeah, that I, I that's been the talk of Pennsylvania, which just lets you know what's going on in Pennsylvania. Not much. Nothing exciting. <laughs> this is where we are, y'all. Oh, Pennsylvania is still Pennsylvania. There you go. 
that's that's what I got for this week. When Killers Get Caught is sponsored by the Magic Class Boutique. Now, why does that name sound so familiar? Well, it's because it's a business ran by our very own Brittany. That's right. The Magic Class Boutique is not only a black-owned business, it's a woman-owned as well. This is a jewelry company that makes some pretty awesome earrings, ranging from cute little sushis to spooky mermaid skeletons. There are even adorable self-defense keychains for those just-in-case moments. And introducing the Serial Collection. This set of earrings is based off of Serial Killers and the official merch for the podcast. This collection features everything a Serial Killer would need to pull off their crimes, from hunting knives at the beginning of their crimes to warden keys for when they eventually get caught. Check out themagicclasp.com today where you can use our promo code CAUGHT to receive 15% off of your online order. That's T-H-E-M-A-G-I-C-C-L-A-S-P dot com and use promo code CAUGHT for 15% off and make sure you tell Brittany that I sent you. But for the killer I'm talking about this week, I have been generally trying to avoid what I call like the big 10 in serial killers in our like first year of doing this podcast. That's, you know, Bundy, Ramirez, Dahmer, Raider, Ridgeway, Gacy, Kemper, Berkowitz, Manson, Gein. Um, And it's not just because I, I find them to be overdone, but there's actually like such a sheer volume of sources to sift through and so many different opinions that I find it very overwhelming. And I would also like to be able to hire a researcher to help me (laughs) with the work for those kind of big ones. But that said, I've been kind of fixated on one of the big 10. Okay. Who doesn't have that many murders under his belt. And it's a hotly debated topic of that, whether he's a serial killer or not, because of the number of kills. Who do you think I'm talking about? I don't know. I'm thinking and racking my brain over here. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. Tell me. Well, I'll give you a hint. He, his like story is the backstory for some very iconic horror movies. Psycho. Texas Chainsaw, Silence of the Lambs. So anybody else who's listening and like probably banging your head on your car stealing wheel. Shut up. It's uh, Ed Gein. And so to appease some of our fans who keep wanting to know what my opinion on some of the Big Ten are. Mm -hmm. um, And also to satisfy my brain's need to like mull over him for the last couple of weeks. uh, I decided that we were going to talk about Ed Gein. Like I said, he inspired Psycho because of the inappropriate relationship he had with his mother. Texas Chainsaw Massacre because of the whole wearing people's skin. And Silence of the Lambs because also the wearing people's skin. Yeah. I'm sure many of you listening know a lot about him. But I do hope you learn something new because this is going to be more... This is heavier into the people who raised him and his family long before he became 
the the body snatcher that we know of or the the, the butcher of Plainfield. But yeah, a lot of this, or more what started me on the rabbit hole here is a book called Deviant, The Shocking True Story of Ed Gein, the original psycho by Harold Schechter. And that's where a lot, I found a lot of the history of uh, his family. Hmm. Okay. So before we talk about Edward Theodore Gein, or Gein? Gein. I don't know. It's a German name. Let's talk a little bit about the family he was born into and how I would say it, it almost seemed like his family started in tragedy. So we're talking 1879. George Gein um, is a little boy. He's only three years old. His family has a farm on Coon Valley, Wisconsin, which is about 15 miles outside of La Crosse, Wisconsin. George's mother, father, and older sister get into their horse-drawn carriage. They set out to go to town, and they all die. Oh, wow. Sounds like JoJo. The family got caught in a flash flood. <laughs> JoJo borrows from a lot of history. <laughs> but the family got caught in a flash flood while they were trying to cross um, the Mississippi River, which I didn't realize extends across all of America. Uh, and George was orphaned at three years old. Um, he was taken in by his maternal grandparents who lived in a near at a nearby farm. There aren't a whole lot of details about his life here, especially since it was the 1800s. Um, Midwest orphans are actually really common in history back then because of how hard life was. Yeah. Okay. Um, outside of his family dying when he was a child, um, he lived a very mundane and kind of normal early life. He went to elementary school. He began a, an apprenticeship at a local blacksmith. Um, he did that in his 20s uh, until he decided that country life wasn't really for him. And he moved to the nearest, like, bigger city. Another common aspect of both adolescence then and now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we all turn, you know, 18 and want to, like, run away. This is very true. <laughs> That's kind of what I did. I left here when I lived in Philadelphia for about a decade. But George got as far as lacrosse. Um, he was a drifter who couldn't really keep a job. He sold insurance. He tried to apprentice as a carpenter. He worked at a tannery. He worked at the city power plant. He got a job working on the Chicago, Milwaukee, and St. Paul Railway back when there were just like a couple of routes. Um, Both of my sources mentioned that during this time, he picked up a mighty big drinking habit. Like not just, but like all of the sources reference the fact that while when he moved to lacrosse, he picked up the bottle. He liked to drink. He liked the sauce. His general schedule was go to work, make his day rate, hit the saloon, spend it all. I mean, he didn't have any other responsibilities. <laughs> then he'd go home and feel kind of bad about himself, which I got to tell you, there's a song that popped up on my TikTok that was just like, why do I feel bad? You only sleep four hours a week. No, it can't be that. <laughs> It's like, you only sleep four hours a night. And I was like, ugh, why is this person yelling That's, at me on the internet? Yeah, that'd be me. It was like, he's like, I feel terrible. You eat terribly. And I was just like, buddy, no. <laughs> Stop calling me out. Damn. Why is this so loud? <laughs> um, But it didn't, it probably wasn't helping his, his mental health and feelings. Yeah, no. I mean, alcoholism. Somehow during this time, he manages to find a woman, the woman that he would marry. Mm-hmm. And her name was Augusta. She's from a large family whose uh, patriarch had emigrated here in 1970 from Germany. They settled in La Crosse immediately. Um, and then George and Augusta met in 1899. George was 24 and Augusta was 19. 
And <laughs> Augusta was described in so many different things as a thick set, buxom woman with a face permanently fixed in a look of fierce determination and self-assurance. So she was a boss. She had a boss looking she, face. She was a, a thick, a thick lady with a boss attitude, yeah. apparently. And go. apparently George thought that was quite lovely. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't? I mean, <laughs> She's also very religious, though. Extremely so. Never mind. And, like, she really thought the modern world was very immoral. She was raised on what her family called, like, old world values. And she did not like the looseness of the youth. And she was exactly like her dad, who was a very strict disciplinarian, who thought that their way beliefs were the only way that one could be. Now, I haven't really described what George looked like, but he's described as being, like, a strong, simple man, reserved, dignified, um, he and Augusta were both Lutheran and he absolutely hid his alcoholism from her. Of course. I mean, because that goes super against being religious, but George found her personality to be quite impressive. She always handled things. She had the family that he wished he'd always had. And Augusta had never really been sought after by men. So I think she was very flattered by the attention and she felt that they shared the same values because they were Christian. Mm. They got married a, sh- a few months later on December 4th, 1899. And uh, that's kind of the beginning of the end of that fairy tale. That's it? Nothing? Oh, it gets bad. Oh. The, the good part ends at that part. That's just that's Where they the were good both part? pretending to be the best versions of themselves. That's the good part. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> well, Augusta realizes very quickly that she's connected to a man who is unreliable financially. And she isn't too happy with the drink. Mm-hmm. To try and keep the household running, she kind of leaned into her worst traits, becoming more like hard and more rigid and more intolerant. Because for her, she was like stuck with kind of like a worthless schmuck who couldn't keep a job and had no ambition. George responded to her behavior with withdrawing into himself and refusing to speak at all when he was home. Oh, Sometimes he'd come back from the bar, they'd get into a fight, he'd hit her. Yeah. Okay. I'm not sure why they thought a child would fix their relationship. A lot of people do. But they decided they were going to do it. <laughs> and so they had a baby boy, January 17th, 1902. His name is Henry. Uh, and Henry didn't have... Well, I'll say this early on. Henry didn't have a great life. And he died very, very young. No. Um, but there were a lot of weird deaths around this family. Hmm. And I'll get into those a little bit later. Um, Augusta didn't feel all that close to her first child and she figured it was because he was a boy. So she decided, she was like, I guess I'll just put up with sex with my husband until she gets pregnant a second time. Oh my God. Thus giving birth to Edward Theodore Gain. Gain. Another boy though. August 27th, 1906. And that was going to be the last one because she wasn't going to do this no more. What the? What? So you're just going to treat your kids just poorly? <sighs> Well, you're one kid. You're about to be a mad dad. (laughs) This episode, sir. I hate hate this already. Um, Okay. So Augusta was pretty upset she didn't have a girl, but she decided if I'm going to have two boys, I'm going to raise them to be better than their father and better than most men. There you go. That's what you're supposed to do. But I guess it gets worse. Uh (laughs) It gets bad. (laughs) Well, George is struggling to find work after the boy, both boys are born. And Augusta is like, listen, both of my brothers are merchants. You could just become an entrepreneur. And like, I think as you and I both know, 
not everyone is cut out for that life. <laughs> see, see. Um, so she thought though that there was no way that he could ruin this because like it's he's working for himself. He makes money. He keeps the money. Mm-hmm. Um, but he just didn't have the motivation for anything, and. You can tell in the records because there's a lacrosse city directory. And in 1909, he is listed as the owner of a small grocery store and 914 uh, Caledonia Street. And two years later, the owner is listed as Augusta Gain and George has been demoted to clerk. What the hell? It's in the record. How do you go from owning your own grocery store to being just a freaking clerk? Yep. And your wife just took your business from you. She's like, fuck you. She was like, listen, you're not going to do the work. Um, what he did do was he worked as a clerk, but he also like did a lot of butchery. Mm. He like when they got animals in, it was like a shed out behind the, gro- uh, the grocery store. And the boys were told never to go there. But Ed does have a memory of when he was fairly young, uh, sneaking out back and being kind of shocked as hell to see the to butch- see like a like a carcass hanging from the ceiling. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. Probably not a good idea for yeah, a little kid. No, not for but, um, kids. Damn, man. You got... <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Okay. It's the first couple years of Eddie and Howard's life. It's okay. They're babies, so you can't really do too much with... Like, they're little. True. But true. um, Augusta was very much a serious disciplinarian. And then around the time that Ed is seven, um, by the time he turns seven, she's completely the head of the household. 1913, she decides that the Gain family weren't going to be merchants anymore. And she sells that business so that they can become farmers. Because in her head, she was like, well, if we're landowners, that's some kind of wealth. Mm-hmm. And she wanted to remove her children from the very wicked ways of the city. So they moved to a small dairy farm in the lowlands near Camp Douglas, which is about 40 miles east of Lacrosse. But they only stay there for a year because Augusta, who's still trying to seek out wealth, finds a larger piece of land that, that she could afford. And they moved there in 1914, 195-acre farm in Plainfield, known to the locals as the old John Greenfield place. Hmm. Damn. This deed was 100% in her name, um, unlike most families where the land was in the husband's name. Mm-hmm. And Augusta was, you know, living her best life. She didn't get him as cosign or nothing nope. like that? He, no, no little, like, tiny piece? <laughs> but it's also, like, massive at this point. Like... You got an eight-year-old, a ten-year-old, a man who's not doing a whole lot, and a woman who's a couple. Like, is he like a farmhand at least? (laughs) (laughs) He helped around originally. Um, And uh, it was just massive Mm -hmm. for a four-person family. Right. Um, She didn't have to, like, chase after the boys to tell them to stop trying to watch the animals get butchered. Um, but there were other, like, I would say issues with having such a big property and also having small children doing the work there, but I'll get into that. I mean, yeah, they probably get lost somewhere. Yeah. Um, she decorated the house very chaste in terms of furnishing, furnishings, and like the nicest things went into their parlor, um, for, and here's where like the issues come from. They were very isolated on this farm. Like, the, the closest, like, neighbors were, like, a good, like, mile away from their, like, main house. Mm. Um, but for her children, this was awful. Like, she, she found the locals to be morally reprehensible. And she said about continuing to teach her children the whole, you know, God, fire, brimstone. 
Um, and she had a real like kind of haughty attitude about her farm and how she kept it really beautiful. And like, she thought people were jealous of her <laughs> and um, the locals weren't particularly fond of her, but she didn't care. Like it's for her, her sons were the only friends that she needed. Oh, now Augusta loved the idea of keeping her kids isolated, but she couldn't keep them a hundred percent away from the ills of the world because they had to go to school. And so Edward started attending the Rosha Creek grade school, which is a small schoolhouse that had one room and 12 kids. And then later that school merged with a larger school called the white school. And he was there from eight years old to 16. And at that time, your formal education was pretty much over unless you wanted to go to college. Mm -hmm. Um, As a student, Ed was, he's capable, but kind of lackluster, kind of like his dad. Um, Years later, after he was caught and his crimes went public, they put him under just a boatload of psychological tests and IQ tests and learned that he had an average IQ for people of the time. Mm. Ed was a really good reader, though, and uh, like a lot of really quiet kids. He filled his time with books of all sorts, including some that were weird, and we'll talk about that later. Um, like I said, he was a really quiet kid. He didn't have a lot of friends. He spent his school time really lonely. He couldn't relate to his classmates, who were all friends, and he wanted to be accepted, so he tried to imitate them, but it didn't really work. Every so often, he would, like, almost get there and, like, almost make a friend and be like, look, socialization. And he'd come home and he'd tell his mom, like, oh, I met this kid. And his mom would immediately squash it. She'd tell him that that kid's family had a bad reputation or that the mom was a woman of questionable moral fiber oh from before she got married. You don't say it to kids. Or there are rumors about that boy's father. And because Ed, like, adored her, he was like, okay. And he would go back to school and he wouldn't talk to that kid anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So I will say this. Um, while the other kids thought that he was weird, um, there were none of the big three, you know, serial killer ticks that we've learned right. about in the modern era. He never wet the bed. He never set fires. He never harmed animals when he was a child. Any head injuries? Mm-mm. None. Huh. Um, there's absolutely nothing in his childhood that would show that he would suffer from such severe psychosis 40 years later. Hmm. That's interesting. Okay. Um, maybe with the amount of understanding we have about these things now, like a gifted psychiatrist might have seen it, but he was just like a weird kid with a goofy grin and like a little lazy eye. He didn't know how to talk to people and he laughed at weird jokes that he made to himself. I mean, who doesn't? He also stared at the girls in his classroom, but he never touched anybody or tried to do anything inappropriate. Okay. I mean, wait, hold on a sec. So bedwetting is like a big... Uh, a th- yeah, that's one of the three things that they've determined is a sign of... Um, it's not just bedwetting, but it's bedwetting well into the teenage years. Okay. Not like your kids like just potty, you know, potty say, training and having issues. I was like... Uh-uh. And not like you are 21 and you drank too much and you forgot to get out of bed in the middle of the night. <laughs> no, this is like it's consistent bedwetting well into your teenager. Okay. Okay. Thank you for clarifying. I was like... I'm not worried, but please explain more. <laughs> I'm done. I'm not worried. Are you worried about yourself, Brian? Is this isn't going on here? What? Yes, exactly. <laughs> well into my 30s, I'm still wetting the bed. <laughs> Watch um, out for me, people. That's the yeah. age of serial killers. <laughs> um, one of the issues he had at school was mm-hmm. that he was considered to be a bit effeminate in his mannerisms. He cried a lot. And like he couldn't take a joke. Like Any sort of teasing, he couldn't handle it. Like uh, one story that was referenced in Harold Schechter's book was that somebody like mentioned that he had a bag on his eye because he had this like skin tag that his mom never got cut off. And so 
like he just mentioned it and like it, it was no like you know how, like sometimes kids like someone says something so somebody says something back to them he didn't have that in him at all yeah like, he just started sobbing and they were just like, oh, my God, like, what? what's wrong with him? And so for him, this like even a little bit of teasing that would happen. He was just like, oh, my mom's right. These people are horrible. So that's kind of like. Like how he grew up and yeah. during the years that Ed and Henry were in elementary school. The family was financially struggling. Um, Augustus purchase of this massive plot of land proved to be more difficult than she imagined. They were always worried if they had enough food to feed themselves. By the time that Ed was a teenager, his father had stopped working on the farm at all. And he just spent his time laying out, drinking, abusing both of his wife and children. Um, when Ed and Henry were little, he would physically hit them. But by the time that they were teenagers, even though they were smaller than your average teen at the time, they were far too big to be hit. He wasn't trying to, you know, get that smoke. I was, okay. I was about to say, <laughs> how I just wanted to mention I just wanted to say, how are you man just laying around doing nothing? And You'd you, be surprised. And fam. you're abusing your family. How do you do there that? There are entire groups of men who specifically seek out women like myself who are a little on the bigger side so that they can live off of them because they're like, oh well, you know, she can't get anybody, so Fuck that shit. <laughs> That's stupid. And, and they then, try and like live off of you. And then, yeah, when they were teenagers, I bet he didn't want that smoke. No, he didn't want that smoke once they got bigger. Of course. But what he would do is he would like rant and rave and like scream at them and insult them. I'm and like, what you like going to do? You're and he still hit Augusta. Oh, well. Yeah. Touch my mom again. I'm going to give you the smoke. Well, there's another weird thing that happened where like apparently there was an argument that uh, Ed remembered very vividly when he was being interviewed where his father like accused Augusta of cheating on him, which is so out of like her moral right. like guideline. And besides that, she didn't have any time to cheat on anybody because she was working. she was working on the farm or cleaning the fucking house. Working her ass off. Yeah. Um, but Augusta took the beatings and the physical and verbal abuse. Well, man, you because God said divorce is wrong and her thinking was if the Lord had saddled her with this man then it was her burden. Okay, but he God never said you can't fight back. Nah, that's the Bible don't say nothing. He said you that. couldn't take it like a 2 by 4 against his head. You know. Uh, <laughs> um Ed didn't really handle his parents fighting like that and he became more reclusive and more separate from his family and I, I would feel like this is kind of like one of the early places where there might have been a separation of reality for him mm. which is we know now in hindsight it's a PTSD thing um, that sometimes people who are, are are suffering from PTSD begin to lean into their fantasy world um, as a means to cope mm. um, especially like children who are abuse victims like you find a happy place to go to when the bad thing is happening. Um, and for him, it was these books that he was reading. And I, unfortunately, I remember being a quiet, smart kid who only read books all the time because of trauma. Interesting. So. <laughs> but uh, time passed. Ed and Henry become young men. George sinks deeper into his depression. Augusta takes to nagging the boys about everything but especially the evils of the modern woman uh, of course specifically that plain field women 
were the worst. And she knew based on magazines and newspapers that these girls were horrible because they wear short skirts and powdered their faces and there's lipstick. And she told her sons that all women were tainted. These oh. we new women were tainted and fallen. Oh, and I just want to let you know that this is like the 1930s. So everything that any previous generation says about the next generation is always the same thing. It's never different. Every previous generation is like, oh, these children, they're going to bring down the downfall of civilization. Look at them and their inappropriate clothing. And I'm like, that is what they say nowadays. <laughs> all the time. Did you? Uh, interesting fact. What? I'm pretty sure you already knew this. Did you know that the human brain has not evolved since like in thousands of years? That makes sense. So we still have the same brain as our ancestors did like thousands of years ago. But like Australopithecus or like. Human, like you know, Homo sapiens. I think it's... like not the pre pre people, but like the peep, like the human Homo sapiens. Yeah, Homo sapiens. Okay, I mean, so at least we've evolved from you know Cro-Magnon. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> I'm just like because I'm thinking I'm like so how people think they're smart now. People were people were the same like same amount of intelligence back then, and then people still do the same shit they did back then today. Oh, of course, absolutely. Well, that's like, um, okay, so I love this because I love the older black folks who are always talking about how young, but you know, look at them being all sexy, shaking their booties and all that, whatever. Mm. But I remember, okay, my, this is literally in my father's study right now. And it's a very famous painting that's easily like 80 years old. And it is a bunch of black folks in like a like a jazz type club mm -hmm. and they are all just a, a swiveling and a shaking and booties are popped out and i was like how dare you tell me that people weren't twerking 80 years ago <laughs> it's always been twerking it just had a different name then they we really have been twerking thank so you since we were in high school we were twerking there too that's what i'm saying <laughs> everybody talking about how these kids are up on new stuff oh my god ain't nothing new it's just got a different name it does <laughs> i know you sound like old people oh my god Anyway, though, that mm -hmm. is what Augusta really harped on. Mm -hmm. And so what, like, oh, this is actually another really awful story from the Schachter book. But, like, so say, like, they were working on the farm and, like, it rained and they couldn't keep working. They would come inside and Augusta would be sitting in the parlor on her favorite chair and she would make them sit with her while she read Revelation. Oh, God. About the end of days and the loose women in the Bible. Women um, are not at fault for any of that. I believe the, the exact quote is harlots and abominations. Okay. And um, she would also just sit and read the Psalms to them. The Psalms are at least a little nicer. I guess. Revelation it, is just pure. The world is ending and you all suck and you're all going to die. Well, you know, so what? <laughs> we all know this. I mean, but, uh, and so it was interesting because this is kind of a, a space where Henry and Ed begin to divide on the feelings about their mother. Um, one day they're, you know, uh, I guess they're just talking and Henry's just like, uh, well, we'll put it this way. Henry originally tries to kind of push back against his mother. Mm -hmm. He's Otis, of course. He's trying to, you know, flirt with girls. He's trying to do something, but like, his, his mother he's is... He's like, I'm trying to... Look, look, I'm trying to do my own thing now. His mother's a force to be reckoned with. And Henry decides he's just never going to get married. 
um, which was fine for Augusta because several of her brothers never got married either. In fact, both Henry and Ed never had relationships with women in their entire lives. Okay. Um, now, for Henry, the shorter life is relatively young. Mm, yeah. Um, in fact, Ed's entire family dies within like a five-year period. Oh, damn. Mm-hmm. It starts with George. After a lifetime of abusing his liver and a marriage that had been pretty terrible for his mental health, he was pretty much like a, a shell of a person with little will to live. Uh, 1937, he gets really sick. He's completely dependent on his family for absolutely all care. Um, we didn't have a name for it then. From what it sounded like, though, is that he was probably suffering from liver failure. And and liver failure is a pretty awful end. Mm-hmm. Um, he died 66 years old, April 1st, 1940. Um, and for his family, his death wasn't a major loss. Uh, Ed and Henry were like, whew, thank goodness. <laughs> we don't have to take care of him all the time. It was just more chores on top of their other chores they had to do to keep that farm running. Right, yeah. Speaking of the farm, it's it's still not succeeding. Um, and in fact, in the entire time, mind you, the family started, they moved there in 1914. It's now 1940. It still has no electricity, no indoor plumbing. So while it might have been like a hot commodity in 1914, Augusta hadn't been able to keep it up. They hadn't been able to save any money to improve the house. What were they doing? What were they doing? Just barely surviving. Wow. And the outside had fallen apart too, so it was not the the house that it was when she started. What year was this? Nineteen forty. Nineteen forty. Was this around like the Great Depression type of? Era? Well, oh, a lot's about to happen. Oh, um, one of the worst wars in the world is happening mm-hmm. simultaneously. Um, Henry's too old for military service, but Ed is not, and so he goes to Milwaukee to. You're looking confused. No, no, no. I'm scratching my beard. Sorry. Okay. I was like, you know that world, the world war is happening. Yes. Okay. I was about to say. I'm just struck. Can I not stroke my beard? <laughs> my confused look is my look. Okay. Okay, then. Um, Everybody knows this. I always look confused. But yeah, he goes to Milwaukee uh, to get a health assessment to see if he can be drafted. And um, they determined that that, like... Uh, eye growth that had never been removed had caused one of his eyes to sag and it like partially impaired his vision Mm. so they determined that he is not uh able to join the war in 1942 he's 36 years old at that point and that trip to milwaukee is the farthest he would ever travel from his home in his entire life really yep wow oh you know what i was confused for a second uh because of the ages i didn't I forgot that the years had jumped. <laughs> he thought he was still like 18. Yeah, I was like, what are, what are you talking about? He's not older. He's old, too old to be enlisted. Uh, well, yeah, that would have made, um, in 1942, that would have made uh, his brother 38. Yeah. So I didn't realize that was the cutoff. It's 35. Honestly, I thought that, I mean, but it was 36. And they still were like, eh, come on down. Maybe it's not the cutoff anymore. Well, I, it may be the cutoff now. Yeah, I think it's 35 now, but. Okay, anyway. But either way, um, after his dad died, they, they both of them took odd jobs, honestly. Ed was a handyman for a while. Uh, he was also a very well-respected babysitter in the town. Um, kids loved him. He'd roughhouse with the boys. He'd wrestle. He'd do magic tricks or tell scary stories to the little girls. In the winter, he'd join the kids in the snowball fights. He was still very self-conscious around adults, but with kids, he felt like they didn't judge him. 
And funny enough, like in town, the the parents didn't judge him either. No adults did. They saw him as a good neighbor who was way better than his mom, who was the <laughs> epitome of holier than thou. And they were like, well, Ed's not like that stuck up, bitch. So <laughs> we can talk to you, Ed. <laughs> Say something to your mom for us, please. Um, Henry was working this like really good job as like a construction foreman. Uh, and the two shared chores. They hunted on the family property together. Ed really admired his brother. Um, but it came up again that Henry thought that Ed was too close to Augusta. He was like, I think it's a little weird that she's like latched on to you like this. Um, Ed thought Augusta was infallible. Of course, that's your mama. And then May 16th, 1944, there's a fire on some marshland near their home. And Henry dies under some suspicious circumstances. Uh-oh. He's only 43 years old. Uh, there are reports at old newspapers about how the fire started. And there's multiple ideas. There's reports that it was just an accident. That it was a fire that was like to burn off like the grass and the marshland. Mm-hmm. But regardless, Ed reported to everybody that like while they were out there, there was a really strong wind and it blew and the fire got out of control. They decided they were going to try and like stop it from two sides. And then um, Ed loses track of Henry as he, you know, is is taking the fire out. When he can't find his brother, he goes to town, gathers a search party. They all go back into the woods and look for him. And there they find Henry face down in the dirt. Mm. Very, very, very dead. The searchers are confused, though, because even though the ground around him is scorched, Henry's body is not. He's covered in soot, but... No part of him is burned. None of his clothes are burned off. Nothing. They also found bruising on his head. Um, also, Ed had led the search party almost directly to the spot where Henry's body was. Even though he had said he hadn't been able to find him. See, look, I was I was thinking of ways to give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe he died from like smoke and that's why he didn't have any burns. No, never mind. Okay. Uh, yep, you're you're absolutely correct. <laughs> But um, it looks like um, his brother kind of murdered him. He murked him. Well, so they immediately call the district attorney, Earl Killeen, and the county coroner, George Blader, and a doctor from town named Dr. Ingersoll. They're all called to the scene. Um, the medical dist- staff determined he died from asphyxiation, and there's no foul play. Mm. At the time, no one would have even suspected that Ed was the kind of person to kill anybody. And so the case was closed and they let it go. Okay. I mean, but you did it, but it's okay. (laughs) Shortly after Henry's death, Augusta reports that she doesn't feel good. He puts her in the truck and drives her to the Walrose Hospital. By the time they get there, she's so weak that she needs a wheelchair to even get in the building. Augusta had a stroke and she needed to be hospitalized. And then when he brought her home, Ed was like her primary care person. Um, like he stayed with her every day when she was at the hospital visiting hours. When we went home, he waited on her every need, reading to her from the Bible to make her happy. They actually got really close and it was almost like he was like getting the attention from her that he always wanted. Didn't he already get attention from her though? No, because the attention he got from her before was you're going to hell and you're stupid. How could I raise such a stupid child? Really? Yeah. Like she, she really loved him, but like it was a, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, love i'm gonna beat you into submission kind of love oh my god i'm going to make you a good man through aggression 
Okay. That Which is not good. So here she's being like soft because she's weak and mm. she needs help doing things. This is so great. Like it takes until about night mid like middle of 1945, almost like a year later, for his mother to get enough strength to try and walk. And like as soon as she could like move around on her own, she like flipped back to being normal. Like when she first tried to get out of like the bed, mm-hmm. like he was like, Here, let me help you. And she's like, I know how to walk. Oh. Like that kind of response. And he was like, damn it. Back to the business. Yep. Um, and then the winter of 1945, something pretty awful happens. Um, they still had animals on their farm, so they needed straw to feed them. Mm-hmm. Um, so they drive to a neighbor to make the purchase. And as they're driving down the road, they come across their neighbors who are a couple. Um, trigger warning, animal abuse. Just saying. Um, the man who's their neighbor is like, beating their dog in the middle of the street and the woman's there screaming at him to stop and the man literally kills oh my god the 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 puppy in the middle of the road oh my god and here's the worst the weirdest part of this story augusta gets like super upset like super worked up about it but not about the animal abuse why she's upset about the woman who's in the street sobbing because the two of them are living in sin. Brittany. I kid you not. <laughs> she works herself up into a fit and has a second stroke a week later. Oh, my fucking God. This time he rushed her to the hospital. She dies December 29th, 1945. Like she literally like works herself into another brain. Because damage. you got mad. She's mad because there's a slut down the road. Come on. I know. Um, some of her siblings attend this funeral. And my favorite part about this is that her obituary was three sentences long. George got at least like a couple of paragraphs. Like I, I could find it for you if I pulled up the book on archive.org. But like there was one part of like George Gaines where it was like, George suffered incredibly long for the three years before his death. Here's what hers says. Mrs. Augusta Gein died at the Wild Rose Hospital on December 29th of cerebral brain hemorrhage. The body was brought to the Galt Funeral Home where services were held December 30th. Reverend C.H. Weiss officiating. She is survived by one son, Edward, who lives on the home farm southwest of here. (laughs) I was like, they got back at her. They were like, listen, we not giving you any more lines than necessary. Sorry. Where's your funeral? You died, and you got one kid who lives around here somewhere. That's all you need to know. Bye. Oh. Ed was inconsolable. Of course. And um, this was definitely kind of the beginning of his spiral, but no one could really tell at first. He was still, like, very much soft-spoken, kind, awkward, not very social, but always polite. If anybody needed help, he would lend a hand. But some things were starting to break for him. He stopped shaving. Um, he also stopped bathing. Uh, mm. What little that was being done to the farm when Augusta was alive stopped. Front yard stayed overgrown with weeds for years. Ed sold off all the livestock to pay for his mother's funeral. And all of the old farming equipment was just left to rust in the barn. I'm like, you couldn't have sold that too, fam? Like, Goodness wasteful. gracious. Yeah. He, to make money, he leased a couple of acres on the property to neighbors, adjacent farms, who wanted more farmland and he'd work around like town as a handyman 
he didn't have a whole lot of like expenses, so he didn't need a whole lot of money. Right. Yeah. Um, he was also getting a state <laughs> subsidy um, for his land through this like state soil com- conservation program. Almost re- almost said conversation, and I spelled it right in my notes, but I almost said conversation. <laughs> um, his neighbors were pretty understanding that he was grieving, and a lot of things fall to the wayside when you're grieving. Um, but some people definitely thought he was kind of gross because, you know, here's this poor, unshaven, I was about to say, stinky man. Scraggly yeah. looking, smelly dude walking down the street. Uh, mm-hmm. Most people weren't too bothered by him. The women around town, I wouldn't say they found him charming, but disarming, I would say. Disarming? Like he charming. wasn't really bothered. Like they, they, they were, they, they, maybe they took pity on him. Okay. Um, he didn't That's curse at all. He never behaved violently. Um. The the men, their husbands were kind of like, the, what, what kind of guy is this? Yeah. <laughs> um, because apparently they, like, people found out that he was afraid of blood. So, which they found odd because his father had been a butcher in the grocery store and he grew up on a farm and he'd been hunting with his brother. But apparently Henry must have done all of the skinning of the lie, the animal part. Okay. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with being afraid of blood. Okay. Are you, you just afraid of blood, sir? I just don't like looking at it. Are you afraid of blood, sir? I don't like looking at oh, it. It's terrible. No, It makes you really lightheaded. We've when watched a it. lot of things. <laughs> okay. That's fake blood. Oh, okay. So it's just real blood. <laughs> yeah. I only had one experience like that. When I worked in a hospital taking pictures of babies uh-huh. um, during college, I, um, you know, sometimes bad things happen during pregnancy or after pregnancy. And so I was in one room, like, handing out, like, flyers to people and little booklets and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then in that moment, as I was pushing the cart out of the room, a hemorrhage happened. And I didn't know what that was. But I sure remember the sheer volume of blood. I know and the, is. like team of 20 people who came tearing down the hall to help her she survived that's good it was good um but it was scary like that's the first time i've I'd ever seen blood and it like made me nauseous it was so much yeah scary i i i <sighs> one of my favorite content creators his that happened to his wife after their first son and like he he said he knew that something serious had happened because the doctor sent all of the interns away. Oh. She was like, I need y'all to leave. Yeah. And like, he was just like, she was just. That's a bad sign. Yep. And like, and her face changed. And he was just like, oh no. And he has to be in the room and still like yeah. pretend that she's okay. Mm. Her mom's, the, the mom's on the baby. Like, what's up? We good? We're having a good time? And the no. halfway down, the doctor's on a whole different mission. Like, that's like one of the scary things that can happen. But yeah. Was, I didn't know you had that issue. See, look yeah. at us knowing each other for so long, and I don't know you're <laughs> weirded out by. You're a blood person, though. <laughs> it's your job. Is it okay when it's in the little bags? It's okay when it's in the bags. So what is this? Is it like a wound situation? Um, is that yeah, like on me, I'm fine. Was it like I got my like my tip of my finger got cut off? Uh, while, like a while ago. That's gross. And like it grew back wrong. But... Oh, I want to see when we're done. Yeah, okay. It grew back wrong. Um I never noticed that. And like when I cut myself I cut myself mm-hmm. and when it's bleeding, it's fucking a lot of blood. And I'm just looking at it like, oh, okay. <laughs> what is the specific way that you don't like blood? So Sam? it's anybody else's blood. Okay. Like my kids I'm fine, but anybody else, like adult and I can see their like just their blood coming out and it's like, oh and then with the with my job, there are 
sometimes you know there are accidents with blood you know with a pal- oh with no a- blood bag breaks if a, if, a, if a bag breaks or you know and then you just just see all the blood everywhere just like oh i need oh, to go gross. i need to go i need to go right now oh. or i'm gonna throw up well you sympathize with ed um being afraid of blood then yeah absolutely because that's just uh uh-huh I feel weak. Weak in the weak in the uh, well, we'll move on from that. No, you're fine. Keep going. Um, though nobody could tell, um, by the 1950s, Ed had retreated from society, and he was living in his head in a really dark way. Um, he spent hour. He spent all of the hours in his farmhouse that, like, when he wasn't like going to work, um, just reading weird books. His house was covered in just filth. And he would spend like hours studying like Nazi Germany atrocities. He read stories of exhumations, resurrection men, body snatchers, stories of 19th century English grave robbers selling corpses to medical schools. I'm sure he probably read about H.H. Holmes. That was happening. Oh, yeah. Another story of like this rich, these rich, young British aristocrats dicking up beautiful women, doing horrible things to them. He read about cannibalism, sexual mutilations. He's, he was just and when all up on this he stuff. couldn't find those things to read, he would read the local paper, but not like to know what was going on, to read about people getting killed, car crashes, suicides, disappearances. My boy. Mm. <laughs> he, like I told you, retreating into that fantasy space, he's entirely in it now. Mm. And he always, always tore out and saved the obituaries. Of course. So now we're going to get into kind of like what I would say the stuff. This is the general information that most people know about Ed Gein, mm. which is that between 1947 and 1952, he began visiting graveyards at night. Just First, just to look, um, he would tell the police later on that he visited three local cemeteries over 40 times. On 10 of those time, times, he dug up women who had recently been buried, who he thought looked like his dead mother, taking them home. Mutilating their remains, turning them into trophies that he liked to display around his house. This was how Ed dealt with his feelings of lust for women. He swore to the police that he never had sex with any of them because they smelled bad. You don't say. But he did get a sexual satisfaction from peeling the skin from their bodies and wearing it. That's not okay. During this time, he also became obsessed with a story he read about a trans woman from Europe. And so he, like, created a skin suit to see what it was like to, like, feel like to have breasts. And he also cut off the genitals of several of the bodies that he pulled to see what a vagina looks like. Sir, like, some of this stuff could be solved by getting a girlfriend. Uh He was too weird at that I, point to have a girlfriend. Yeah, I know. He, he was too far gone to have a girl. I mean, you can find another, uh, get a mortician <laughs> girlfriend. What? I don't know. Somebody, get a grave a grave digger girlfriend, okay? No, so then they can both rob bodies together? She, look, you can get the hook up there. She, <laughs> it's still illegal and defiling corpses. Oh my God, I'm trying to help him out. <laughs> Not good, sir. <laughs> So during that time, that like 1947 to like 1952 time period, there was an uptick in missing persons in Wisconsin. For like a couple of them, there were about five that police just couldn't figure out. 
four different situations. The first was an eight-year-old girl named Georgia Weckler who disappeared on her way home from school May 1st, 1947. Hundreds of people searched for her. Um, They searched the entirety of Jefferson, Wisconsin, but she was never seen or heard from again. There were no suspects, only tire marks found where she was last seen. They were the tire tread of a Ford. Hmm. Six years later, in La Crosse, Wisconsin, 15-year-old Evelyn Hartley is babysitting when she disappears. Her father tried to call her at the house that she was working at, and she didn't pick up the phone. So he showed up, and when he looked through the window, he saw one of his daughter's shoes and her glasses on the floor. So he checked around the house, and he found that the back basement window was open, and there was blood. (sighs) He entered the house, saw signs of a struggle, and called the police from the property. Police found blood in the grass leading away from the house, and there was a bloody handprint on a neighbor's house. They did a regional search, and they couldn't find anything other than her bloody clothes near a highway that was leaving La Crosse. They assumed that she was murdered. Mm-hmm. November of 1952, two men stopped for drinks at a bar in Plainfield, Wisconsin, before going deer hunting. They were Victor Travis and Ray Burgess, and they were never seen again. And then in the winter of 1954, a Plainfield bar owner named Mary Hogan went missing. Police found blood on the tavern floor that led to the parking lot and an empty bullet cartridge. The only common ties between all of these cases is that they all happened in or around Plainfield, Wisconsin. And I got to tell you, Mary was German and tall and stocky and buxom. Does she have like the boss... Yep, she was a she was a tavern owner, so she was of course she, she had, had to the be balls, the balls. Yeah, face. she had to be like, I mean, but she was very different from his mother in a sense that like she was like a swearing, mm-hmm. you know, she's a bar owner kind of lady. Yeah. Um. So this one is the direct looks like his mom, mm-hmm. acts like his mom. Um. And he, when he got two guys, you said right? There were two guys at a different bar. Okay. And we'll we'll see about that. Well, this, that's just changing his whole. We'll see. Shh. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Hey. So shortly after the police kind of gave up on the Mary Hogan case, a rumor pops up in Plainsfield. Plainfield. A couple of teenage boys are like, Ed has shrunken heads in his house. And like, the thing is, like some of those teenagers he had helped, ra- you know, he'd been babysitting. So he let them come to his house, even though it was like a total mess. Mm. It was like full of like rodent droppings and food on the floor and grossness. He still let them come over and they would like play cards. I guess there was a clean ish room. Um, and just like that, Ed is like, no one could come back to the house now mm. after the rumors start popping up. At one point, though, um, I want to say like. 56 he offered to swap houses with somebody like for a smaller home and like the lady was like well it's in 195 acres that would be great so she went to the house and like looked around and it like i guess it had been semi cleaned up at that point and um at one point she like he was like oh she was like oh what's in that room and he's like uh that's just a storage area like it's just a bunch of junk in there you don't have to look at that and so she was like, oh, is that where you keep your shrunken heads? And he was like, no, they're in the other room. Oh. He was being serious, though, but, like, nobody really. They were like, ah, you're so funny, Ed. She ended up not, like, buying his house for her house. But um, that was another one of those weird situations where there were a lot of situations like that that happened around town where, hmm. like, people would ask him questions and, like, they thought he was just joking, but no, he was I'm very telling, serious. I'm telling the truth. No, I got heads. You want to see them? Um, <laughs> 
November 16th, 1957, uh, local people discover that Bernice Warden is missing. She owned a hardware store in town, and residents said that the hardware store truck had been driven from the rear of the building at about 9.30 a.m. Her son was the deputy sheriff, and he visited the store at 5 and saw that the cash register was open and there was blood on the floor. And the last, like, this was the time period where people had to write receipts, mm-hmm. and that was those two layers. Yeah. So the pre- the last receipt that had been written was for Ed Gein for, um, for antifreeze that he was supposed to come pick up the next morning. Oh, you write their names and everything on it yeah, too, Yeah, you, huh? you write like, oh, Ed Gein picking up antifreeze, you know, oh, okay, okay. morning, whatever. Okay. Um, so the following morning, the police don't wait. And they go to the farmhouse mm-hmm. to talk to Ed about the missing hardware store owner. And uh, I guess he's somewhere on the property, but like not immediate. So they just like kind of walk in the house because they're like, Ugh, it's the 1950s. We don't have rules. Uh-huh. You should have had rules. Um, well, the farmhouse, when I say it was bad, junk, rotting garbage all over all the floors. They said the smell of decomposition and decomposition and filth is all over the property. Um, a local sheriff named Arthur Shelley inspected the kitchen and he bumped into now. Okay. Multiple. Some people say this was like a shed and some people say this was the kitchen. So there are multiple sources that say, but regardless, he was looking around with his light um, and he bumped into a carcass hanging from the beams in the beams. Oh, okay. It had been decapitated, slid open, gutted. And at first, like, his brain was like, oh, yeah, whatever, deer. And mm-hmm. then he was like, no, 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 that's not a deer. Um, that That's the body of a person. Oh. It was the body of Bernice Warden, the mother of his co-worker, Frank. Then more police came. They took Ed down to a police station to talk to him and took inventory of the items on the farm. And I have read this list once before on TikTok. Yes. Um, I, I've truncated it somewhat. <laughs> So while looking through his house, they find four noses, whole human bones, fragments, nine masks made of human skin, bowls made from human skulls, 10 female heads with the top part of the skull shaved off, human skin covering several chairs, Mary Hogan's head in a paper bag, Bernice Warden's head in a burlap sack, nine vulvas in a shoebox, skulls on his bedpost, Organs in the refrigerator, a pair of lips on a drawstring for the window shade in his room, a belt made from human nipples, a lampshade made from the skin of a human face, and of course, the one that everybody knows the most, the corset made out of uh, breasts, um, and he, he had a skin suit. It was a whole people suit yes, that I- he had put together over time. All these items were photographed, cataloged, and then reburied. You are welcome to look for them. I This is one of the few things that I've found repulsive. Like the shoes. Yeah, I've, I've seen pictures. They were like, it's just, I because when I made that video, you were like, let me look at these. <laughs> I did too. And I was like, oh, I, I shouldn't have looked. Like, I don't know. There were a pair of shoes and they just looked so bad. They were a pair of heels. Yeah. He must have stolen them from like a dead body hmm. and like covered them in flesh. It was awful. That's exactly what he did. Um, mm. but the bigger question was to find out, like, how did you get these? Um, the police began this major excavation of the property to make sure there weren't any bodies buried on top of what they found in the house. He's being interviewed at Watoma County Jailhouse by investigators. He doesn't talk for the first day. 
And then after a whole day of silence, he tells, he's like, okay, I killed Mrs. Warden. And then he says, I found the rest of the bodies at the local cemetery. Well, the problem with that is Mary Hogan's head is in a paper bag and you definitely didn't find her in the cemetery. No, you did not. Um, so they're like, uh-huh. so they, there's more interrogation there. And so finally he says he killed Mary Hogan too. He said he didn't remember doing it, but he accidentally shot, like shot her. And that sometimes he would just like leave his house in the middle of the night and he was in like a trance and he would just go to the cemetery. Hmm. Um, throughout the entire investigation though, he showed almost no sign of remorse or any emotion actually. Like everything was always factual and to the point. Sometimes he even, like, smiled when he was telling people all the stuff he did. He had no real understanding of how these crimes were affecting his community or the entire country, for that matter. Um, As for prepping for a trial, the courts immediately submitted him to a lot of doctors for tests. Um, Psychologists and psychiatrists immediately said that he was a sexual psychopath due to his extremely unhealthy relationship between him and his mother and his very confusing feelings about sex and sexuality that his mother kind of beat into him through that. He had learned to sort of love and hate women. And this was his way of dealing with that. Um, after a really big court battle, actually, because the police were like, there's no way for us to tell that these came from the the places where he said, unless we exhume the, the, the cemetery spots that he told us to. Right. So there was a fight over whether they should even do that. Um, and so they eventually did manage to get that exhumation order. And when they opened, they dug up the graves. The coffins did show signs of tampering. And a, a lot of the coffins showed sections of bodies removed. Okay. As for the city of Plainfield, the town is besieged by fans. People trying to get a glimpse of the game property, reporters trying to get a story, psychiatrists and psychologists trying to talk to Ed, showing up at the precinct. Thousands of people are showing up. And um, the company that was handling the sale of the state, like, talked about how they were going to charge 50 cents for people to see the house. And the townspeople were like, no, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> um, that didn't happen, but it didn't matter anyway. Because on March 20th, 1958, the Plainfield Volunteer Fire Department got a phone call that the Gein house was on fire. There you go. It very quickly burned to the ground before anyone could get there. Police assumed arson because the house had no electricity. And despite uh, they tried to do a very like thorough investigation, nobody was ever charged because there was nothing. Did they though? Well, you know, <laughs> I found nothing to say that of you know different of the sort. Uh-huh. Um, the Gein farm equipment, though, was uh, auctioned off, and so was the car. Um, that sold for $760, which is about $7,000 in today's money. Mm-hmm. It was put on the county fair circuit as the ghoul car. Oh, God. Because Ed had used it to haul all the dead bodies. As for Ed's fate, after he spent 10 years in a mental health facility, the court decided he was cognizant enough to stand trial. And the proceedings for that started January 22nd, 1968, but the full trial didn't start until November 7th, 1968. Uh, the main, like, testimony was from, like, lab technicians and the sheriff and the deputy sheriff, and he was found guilty. But mm-hmm. the problem was he was deemed that he was sane when the crime happened, so ultimately they sent him back to the facility where he spent the rest of his life. 
He was a model patient and actually like every single doctor interviewed post who dealt with him said that he was almost docile. It was why like they were like, we don't understand how this person did this stuff. Right. He shows like no signs of anything. He like is just bleh. Yeah. But I'm also assuming he was probably heavily medicated at that point too. Hmm. Um he died of respiratory <laughs> failure, seventy seven years old, on July twenty sixth, nineteen eighty four, and he was buried with a gravestone. But because true crime folks are awful, of course, they begin mind. breaking pieces off of it. And like, if you look at the, I found a picture of it, like it had chunks like missing. Come and then on. finally somebody stole the grave marker in 2000. So now he's buried in an unmarked grave uh, between his parents and his brother. So you'd have to look up like county records right. to find out where his parents and his brother are buried to be able to find out where he's been buried. Damn, that's fucked up. Yeah. And you're talking about him being grave robber. You guys are robbing stuff from his grave, right? And you know the, you know, what's that word? Uh, popcorn or kettle black? Maybe popcorn. Not ironic. That's a. That's like a. That's ironic. Morris said ironic. That's that is irony. Is it really it? ironic? It's, it's kind of ironic. Or is it a traffic jam when you're already late? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that's the end for me. Yeah. Um, I actually, I always knew what Ed Gein did, but I didn't know the full scope of the the fam- familial relationship, which yeah, is what I've I. been thinking about and reading about. I didn't know any of that backstory at all. So there we go. I just knew about the um, the body little, parts, yeah, the body parts inside this little lamb stuff, and I yeah. was like, oh, oh, that's disgusting. Yeah, I wonder. I sometimes wonder if he ever knew that there were all these movies that were made based on like. His debauchery. Maybe he's in hell just looking up and saying, huh, interesting. (laughs) You guys are all fucked up. (laughs) All right. So I have been trying to honor some requests I've been getting. Um... We just got an email. We just got an email last week about from somebody. And, you know, it pays. Oh, yeah, it pays off to whine on the podcast. <laughs> is what I gotta say. It pays off. I being, should say her name. Give being salty. I think it's is Caddy. Yeah, it was like Katie or Caddy. C A T Y. Yeah, say your last or Katie. Name. But uh, uh, she's the first person who used our official website's uh, An email option. email option. Like, send us a message. Yeah. It's um I I do appreciate your email um and I will cover one of the one of those two stories that you sent me um in a, at a later date spooky stories about Georgia yeah uh, but so, yay thanks for sending us a message yeah I do appreciate it um the reason why I'm not covering any of those other two Georgia stories is because I'm I was already covering a Georgia story the this, year, this week I know I almost picked a Georgian serial killer to be on brand. But I, I don't know. Wisconsin was just in my mind this I mean, past week. Yeah. Was, These past was, couple weeks. Wisconsin. So I was like, never mind. <laughs> Wisconsin. No. <laughs> Bad. <laughs> Smack your hand, sir. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, <laughs> I got. A, um, so before, like when we first started the podcast, um, I was telling one of my coworkers about it. Brittany knows who I'm talking about. Um, it's uh, one guy who works on the weekends. He probably never listens to the podcast. You know who I'm talking about. You that look on your like. face. Yeah, that one that Brittany does not like at all. 
Listen, uh. when it comes to work, you just need people to be there and do their jobs, okay? If you do or you are there and you do your job, I like you. But if you, if were you there, are you, not there and, or you don't show up or you call out randomly and then a certain someone sitting across from me at the podcast table has to, you know, handle that and work a 14 hour shift. Then I'm not your biggest fan. She's she's not your biggest fan. I don't think you look, he listens to the podcast, but I don't well, fucking if care. If he does, you're going to have an awkward day one day. <laughs> <laughs> he's probably, it's probably going to be like one Friday. He's probably going to come into work and actually be in the building and be like, I heard your podcast last week. <laughs> like, yeah, you didn't I heard know. one of your podcasts from several months ago. It, you don't like me? Oh, no, dude. Like, you're okay. Like, you're a cool dude, but work. Just to ask him to call me. I don't like you, and oh I'll God. tell you. Anyway, <laughs> he did suggest um, me to cover this interesting story. Oh. Um, well, look at that. In Georgia, that I'm about to regale to you folks. I'm here. What is it? Um, so, like I said today, we'll be heading to Georgia, where the peach emoji lives. Um, so Sir. <laughs> can't stand you <laughs> oh this is a fun this is a fun time today uh <laughs> this is why i pick things that frustrate you <laughs> this is why i pick things that annoy you okay then this is what i we're say doing. things that annoy you is payback now i don't know much about you know the state georgia um my great-grandma was from there you know i i never lived in georgia i visited there I hear Macon's terrible, though. Oh, I heard a lot of places are terrible, actually. <laughs> Doesn't everybody feel that way about their hometown, though? That's true. I've never met somebody who was like, wow, I just really love where I grew up. <laughs> Everybody's always, like, super mad. Like, how dare I grow up here? Um, but, yeah, it's not a bad place to visit sometimes. Um, oh, right. You drove, you drove down there one day. Yeah, right? I, I drive through there sometimes to go to Florida. That night, that I think the last time it took me about seventeen hours to get Bless down there. Bless your heart. Um. So anyway, that sounds awful. Have you heard of Lake Lanier? It's drawn a blank right now. You have not. Well, that's surprising. Apparently, it's been all over TikTok, and I'll explain that later. Um. I'll explain mm. that later. Yeah. But Lake Lanier. Um. I'm sure most people who are listening, or some people who are listening who know about spooky stuff no lake lanier um you know it's a pretty cool place to visit um but you know it always wasn't a lake you know like most lakes it was actually a man-made lake okay um so i'm gonna give you some backstory on the lake okay so lake lanier is georgia's largest lake um and it's it was made after the construction of the buford dam um, so this is one of two bodies of water that are named after, uh, a Georgia, a Georgia born poet, uh, his name's Sidney Lanier. Okay. Uh, Sidney Lanier, he was born in 1842. Um, he wasn't only a poet, he was a musician, an author, and he served for the Confederate in the army. Okay. The Civil War. You know. You no, know I'm really excited about him. The, the Civil War. So, you know how, you know, you know, you know, how people... We're get, not fans of the Confederacy here. <laughs> We're really not. Sorry. Um, But he, apparently he was even a lawyer. So, you know, apparently this guy was the shit. 
Okay. At in his time. Was, <laughs> <laughs> in his time. Ain't in, shit in, now. In, no, not not at all. Um, in his time and dead. in that area. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> oh my god. I'm sorry, y'all. Okay. So anyway, so how did the lake come to be? Well, like I mentioned before, it was a man-made lake. Um, made as a result of a dam being built. Um, now the lake was built, was finished in 1956. Um, but it was, it was set to be made before that. I think in 1940, like 1946, 1946. So like 10 years earlier, the government had commissioned, um, the, the, the U S army corps of engineers to construct a dam now, what was the reason for this dam? Well, it was for controlling flooding um, to help provide a water source for the Atlanta and around that area, surrounding okay. area. Um, and it was help. It was used to help the power homes as well. So they use uh, hydroelectricity. Ooh, cool. Yeah, that's very awesome. I like just like you know. Yeah, anyway. it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. We could talk about how, like, how many people died during the creation of the Hoover Dam. Oh, my God. A lot. <laughs> We're going to be talking about people dying, all right? Oh. Uh, so, yeah, the U.S., like I said, the U.S. government, they tasked the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers with building Lake Lanier in conjunction to with the, the, the Buford Dam. This is really throwing me for a loop. Why don't I know anything about what you're talking about? I don't know. I mean, I just heard about it this year too. So okay, <laughs> there you let's go. See. So this was this was almost a forty five million dollar. Yeah, they had a forty five million dollar uh, budget for this for this creation of dam of the dam. When and um, like what time period was this? Nineteen. It was about nineteen fifties. That's a lot of money. Yeah, it is. I don't even want to know how much it is now. Shh, I don't want to know. <laughs> One billion dollars. So, why do they need as much money to make a lake and a dam? How well, big is it? It's it's pretty big. I didn't like down the specifics. I'm terrible at research. I'm just going to say that. <clears throat> Brian cares more about the, the spook and the story aspect <laughs> than the background research. I do not. I but like the, the best th- part about that is that you ask me things that I don't think to look up. <laughs> You're like, well, how big is this forest in Australia? And I'm like, oh, buddy. I did ask you that. It's like huge, man. <laughs> big. This, this lake is the biggest in Georgia. That's all right, I'm right. gonna. That's all I know about it. Okay. Um. So they needed this much money because they had to buy land. Oh right. Uh, what do we call that again? Um, when Americans just take people's land. Oh, what is that called? What is that? I they actually, did to Amer- the, 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 the indigenous people. Uh, what's it called again? Um, appropriate? No. Nope, nope, nope. It'll come to me randomly. Yeah, yeah. I'm drawing a blank on that. things. Goodness gracious. What is that called? Something Destiny? Something. Oh, Manifest, manifest, manifest Destiny. Destiny. Manifest yep. Destiny. There you this go. This is like one step above Manifest Destiny. Mm-hmm. Because they get the, you get they money get from They get to pay, it. but they still like treat you like garbage. <laughs> Basically. Um, we'll get into that. Later as well. <laughs> Bet you it was Poe people too. Um. So, 
like I said, they had to buy land. But the problem was that there were already towns and people living here. There were oh, farms wait, and stuff. towns? Towns. There's yeah, little there were towns in this. There was like a whole area that they had to buy. Um, it's got to be pretty big then. I do have how many? Uh, Fifty-six thousand acres of land. That's how much That's they had to buy. Massive. That's not a lake. That's like a little baby ocean. <laughs> That's fifty-six thousand acres of land. Like, oh my gosh! Um, that this they had to buy. So, not only did they have like, you know, people's farms and they had businesses there. They had churches there. They had a cemetery there, and people had their own personal family cemeteries oh gosh, there cemeteries. too. What do you do about that? I mean, I mean, okay, there have been situations locally around here, from what I understand, mm. about cemeteries that were, okay, so what they were supposed to do was move people. It happened in Philadelphia, outside of Philadelphia. But instead, what they ended up doing was just building on top of it. And then, like, decades later, finding out that there were still, like, dozens of graves underneath this, houses in town. This sounds like poltergeist. <laughs> I think this is kind of where that was probably, probably where the concept of poltergeist came, came from. Because it, it was, was really common. Yeah. They're like, ah, it's so much work to move all these gravestones. What if we just move to move all these graves? What if we just move the gravestones and nobody will know? That's definitely poltergeist. My God. Yeah, no, I, I didn't realize that. And I don't know why I never made that reference. But like, I definitely remember hearing about that, about a, um, a cemetery that was like on the outskirts of Philadelphia. And mm. then as Philadelphia got bigger... They needed to move it, and right. they just didn't. And then, like, we're talking years and years later, they found, like, old stuff from back then. And then also, um, when I was living there, they found underneath, like, Center City, mm. the old, like, foundations. Old Philadelphia. To slave houses. Oh, no. That were owned by good old Ben Franklin. Of fucking course. Ben Franklin, you douchebag. Anyway. And they actually, what they did was they like didn't move them or anything. They just put like a nice plexiglass spot mm. <laughs> above it and like a little place for people could look in. I don't know if it's still there. It was there years ago, but like they didn't want to move it. They were like, this is historical Philadelphia. Like, you know why I think he's a douchebag? Why? They like saving time. They like saving time. Why do we do that? We still do it. It's weird. No reason. No reason for us to keep doing that. Like back then. Okay, cool. Nowadays. Fuck no. We don't need that. I guess it's now, some tradition. Now I get the sun that's still up at like what time is it now? Uh 8:30. <laughs> it's 8:30 the sun's still up. I like the sun up at 8:30. Oh no, okay, this is cool. I, mean, I don't other, like when it flips in winter that's, time. That's that's what we're talking about. And I'm talking about the like flipping. It's like dark at like 5. Yes. Cuz then I like leave in the morning and it's dark and I come home and it's dark yes. and I'm just a person of the dark. That's what I don't like is when it flips. Now this time it's awesome. I like summertime for that because the sun's still up. But any other time? Like, well, yeah, so that's interesting. Finding like, so did they do? Did they do it the right way? So Brian, did they do it the right way? So they paid to have these bodies uh, moved. Okay. Um, I'm not sure about all of the personal family graves. Uh, we'll get into that later. Um, <laughs> sounds bad. So now the, the buying started. Um, you know, buying land started with uh, an 81 year old. Uh, his name was Henry. Shadburn. Y'all better uh, be nice to Henry. Yeah, he sold his land for $4,100. That's good money. Or $4,100. 
Yeah, that's not bad. Could buy another house for that. Yeah, exactly. Now, do you think all of the buying of the land, you know, went this smoothly? Of course not. No, of course not. Of course not. Um, A lot of people were like, fuck this. Like, my great, great, great grandpa left me this land, and I'll be damned if I'm going to sell it. I can be honest, though. Like, my my, my dad, my parents have a house. And, like, if somebody was like, listen, we're just going to raise that entire area and make a giant park near Mm. the river... I'd be like, How, what you what you selling for? Yeah. If somebody offered me like millions of dollars, I'd just buy more land somewhere else. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not fighting with the government because then what they do is they manifest destiny and you get nothing. Exactly. And because then, they go like, listen, everybody in your community is sold except for you. It's We're like just uh, gonna take it now. What is it? It's uh, it's like from up in you're, the beginning. Yeah. Of you're 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 stopping like community development or growth or whatever. Yeah. So you're building around your small tiny house. Oh my god! Yeah, so I would just do it. So I, I feel I understand it, but I like I understand people wanting to fight for their ancestral homes and lands, mm. but I don't have it in me to fight the U.S. government. <sighs> Sorry, y'all. I'm not a freedom fighter. I think I wrote that in here somewhere that like, you, like if someone offered me enough then I'd fucking take it. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. My ancestors would be proud of me for making that much money. That's what I'm saying. I could just, listen, we about to have a new ancestral Oh my God, hell yeah. <laughs> for future generations. They'd be like, what? You had that little, like, half an acre and now you got 20? Mm. Upgrade you. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for great grandpa for leaving me this land so I could sell it and then upgrade my land. Thank you. Um, so but I feel, I understand. Yeah. So some refused to leave their homes, of course, and some even filed uh, civil action suits against the government. As happens. So I wrote this as a side note. Um, They had to move. It was 250 families that needed to be uh, relocated and rehomed. Okay. Um, I forget how many businesses. There were like 17 businesses, I think, about that around that Uh, It's a whole town. That's a whole friggin' town. Yeah. Um, so some people were even removed from their land by force. I knew it. And their land seized. Dang it. No, for the people who said their land, who who sold their land, um, they hadn't seen that kind of money before. So they were just like, yeah, do it. I can buy better land for less money somewhere. Right. <laughs> oh, that's where I wrote my grandparents. <laughs> my ancestors would be proud of me. That's where I, I wrote agree. That. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, either way, uh, they cleared all the land of people and started filling the area with water. Now, of course, any building that was made out of wood, of course, since it was since it would float by Wait the water. Wait a second. Oh, hold on. What? They just started filling it. They no, didn't no, no, move no. the stuff. No, 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 no. no. They, they, they. <laughs> That'd be still, that reminds me of Moreau from Resident Evil Eight. That whole town that was underwater. Oh uh, no, they deconstructed all of that all the all the wood buildings. Anything made out of concrete, they did keep down um, in the water. <clears throat> so they filled around it. So there's still like buildings down there that were made out of concrete and you know stone and shit. There's Do under- we have an Atlantis at the bottom of Rainier? It's, it's an underwater town. Weird. Or area. City. Weird. Whatever you want to call it. That's super um, weird. Yeah. Um, Where's that? Okay. March 1st, 1950. They began the construction of the dam. And it took six years for them to complete the dam. And after that, 1956 is when the, it's the year that they started filling up the area with water. 
they fill the valleys, and it took about three to five years okay. for them to fill. So after you know, after that, it's full. You got a lake now, yay! Right where no one can is living around it. Can I build some land around the lake, or probably not? Yeah. I don't think so. Okay, so. It, like it wasn't made for people to live around. It's just made. It's for, like, like industrial, exactly. So it's not even a pretty place. Like I'd be like, um, okay, you you pay me this money for my land. Can I have like a beachfront property? Actually, a lot of people visit there like every year. A lot of people visit there, but it's not okay, like a. So it's not supposed here's to be. What has to happen? As soon as you leave, I'm gonna Google mm. and see if people have done deep sea diving in Lake Rainier. They have to look at these property, like these stuff underground. They have. They really have. That looks. That sounds super interesting. It, the I'm terrified the, of deep sea diving myself because of the idea of seeing corpse bodies underwater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But underwater pictures like that, like of, of the old buildings and stuff. Yeah, like it's pretty cool looking. You can't convince me to put on another one of those breathing apparatuses. I'm not going to do I that. I did it once. Never so, again. So we're going to get into uh, the spooky section of the. Okay. Of the, this is a lot of interesting history, honestly. Yeah. So this is the Turn the curse okay. of, of Lake Lanier. Turn it up for week twenty three. <laughs> yeah. Um. So from oh goodness, nineteen ninety eight to nine uh, to two thousand eighteen, uh, there were fifty seven boating fatalities that took place. And one hundred. I thought people weren't supposed to go there to like goof off. I told you they 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 made like. The government says it's not a tourist place. You're not supposed so to go there. People just be visit. going. People just visit. Oh, okay. They just like they have a whole. Oh, you see but is it like it. Lake Michigan bad? I'm not sure. Because like like was it Lake Superior? Lake Superior is the one that's like so cold that if you dispose a body of it there, it won't float to the surface because it'll never grow the bacteria needed to float. No, it's not like that. Not that bad. Okay. It's not like because it's in Georgia. So yeah, true. Georgia is a little <laughs> warmer than up north. It's yeah, it's the state above Florida, so yeah, it's always going to be fucking warm. They don't know what warm, snow is. Warm. Yeah, like remember that one year that it snowed in Atlanta, and there was like it this was like much snow, inch. and people abandoned their cars on the road. <laughs> it was like two inches of snow. I'm sorry, Georgia people, <laughs> we don't laugh. They at were you. terrified. We don't laugh at you because you don't know, like it was kind laughs of laughs in us getting like three feet in one day this year, I and I still had to go to school and work. Oh my god, my but, like, boss had to come like... pick me up in his firefighter yeah. truck. <laughs> that's how bad the snow was but like places like in georgia or texas like texas this year they had that snowstorm. like oh that was terrible yeah their... the one where everything was freezing and people were dying yeah it fucking terrible and like places like that they don't have like the stuff set up like us up north do yeah, you're for, right like, that's snow. true it's like we probably don't have a lot of well when the power went out that one time remember when we were kids yeah and like it oh, was that eastern that seaboard Mm. I thought like we were children when that happened. How old was I when that happened? I don't know. I'm don't not going. I'm not going. <laughs> I, I was the children. We're just going. We were, we're, were children. We were, we're children, children when the eastern seaboard went out of power. There you go. Oh goodness. Okay. So, oh, 145 people drowned uh, between that. Okay, years. in the last like 50 years. Okay. Uh, um, I feel like it's probably worse at the beach, but then again, you ain't supposed to be here. Hold on, I didn't even get to the big numbers yet. Um, supposed to be <laughs> 2015 2018 there were 43 lake related deaths and 128 boating accidents not fatalities but just accidents accidents okay. um, well these people didn't die so there are an unusually high amount of deaths 
from the, the lake. Um, there are an estimated amount of 675 deaths. Per year? No. Since the lake was completed. So oh, since okay. 19... That's unusually high? I think, I think... I assumed wherever there was water, people were doing stupid stuff and dying. Uh, yeah, but not probably not as much as this. Okay. Um, so is this lake haunted or cursed? Um, so there have been reports of people just... Just um, standing, and they could be standing like at the shore, mm-hmm. and then they can take a step, and then they just fucking like it. That's how dangerous this lake is. Oh, oh, I've been in stuff like I. Like, I find that very unsettling. Yeah, like it's. I've been to coastal beaches, even on the east coast, mm-hmm. where you can see where the drop off is from the the beach. Mm-hmm. Like you can see, there's like a couple feet of like safety. And then all of a sudden it just drops. And it's not even like it's dropping down 30 feet. No. But it's enough for me to be very, to feel very uncomfortable. Yes. Yeah. Like I need to be able to touch down with ease. Yeah. This like a, this is a man-made lake. It, it wasn't. Well, that makes sense too, because like, I'm sure it's probably like the, the erosion yeah. over time. I don't know. Something just freaks me out. Cause all I think about is like how there was Pangea mm. and how the, the, all the stuff fit together at one point. And that there's little lines of like out where that just drops off into like hundreds of feet deep. Mm, yeah. And that just frightens the crap out of me. Oh, you're telling. So since it's built over, like the lake is built over or above, whatever, it's built, there, there are churches underneath of it, <clears throat> mm. underneath the lake. And there's, like right, I said, cemeteries. Old churches were always stone. You're right. Mm-hmm. Forgot all about that. Churches, cemeteries. Um, like a cemetery and in their personal cemeteries. And like I said uh, before, we don't know whether they actually removed all those bodies, the, the personal ones. We don't know if all those bodies were removed. I don't even know if the, the main cemetery, all those bodies were removed either. Yeah. So people were just swimming in this lake full of dead fucking bodies. I mean, just, but we've talked about that in the yeah, past. Yeah, this is true. All bodies of water okay. that are not pools are places where there are dead bodies. But this is a lake, though. So. Like, have you been in the Atlantic Ocean? Of course. That's where the Titanic song. I know there are dead bodies. <laughs> I know there are dead bodies everywhere. I'm just saying. Like, this is a lake. A smaller about a, 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 a smaller body yeah, of water. Like 50,000 acres or whatever you said earlier. I forget. <laughs> See, there we go. I was close. That's a lot of acres of water. Yeah. I would love to know how many gallons of water, and I'm going to Google that later. But you know what happens when you build over or you desecrate some burial grounds. Oh, I sure do know. That's my favorite part of watching those shows. Boom. Haunted. When somebody's like, <laughs> yeah, I've been seeing this weird like two-story figure just walking around outside my house. It's really creepy. And the lady's like, yeah, that's definitely like an ancient being that is stalking this land. And it was it was brought here to protect the land from the... The white people yeah, so during the time periods when the indigenous folks were fighting against the white people. You should probably just leave. Yeah, because you are white people, so go. There you go. I had <laughs> listen. Listen, if anybody like uh, actual like media my respected was like, you should just go. Yeah. I'd I'll, be like, all right then, all right, fam. All right, yeah, say less. I'll put it up for seven tonight. We good, we good. Um so Carl Especially in this economy, get that sold mm. in like a week. <laughs> now is not the time to buy a house, folks. So apparently there's a bridge. Um, over the lake oh, or by the lake. Um, so cars mysteriously fall into the lake. Um, how fall off the bridge into the lake? I have no idea. Um, 
they're mysteriously, like I said, drownings. Like people can just be standing in knee high water and then just drop the fuck off and to nothingness. Um, and yeah, I just want to see the bridge. That's what I'm looking for as a picture right now. So I'm going to tell you this story. Is it Lanier? Yeah. Uh, oh, L- I've been hearing Rainier. Lanier. The whole night. Lanier. My bad. I spelled it wrong too in Google and everything. It's like three star. Ooh. Okay. It's cute. <laughs> oh my God. Lanier yeah. Islands. Yeah. Houseway. I don't know. You gotta look at it. You gotta look at like I had some maps pulled up, like of the whole area. No way. It's pretty crazy. I'm literally looking at a picture of gravestones underwater. Mm-hmm. Pretty fucking crazy. That's so disrespectful. So, I'm gonna tell you the story. Okay, of I'm a ready. case of a car going off of the the the, the bridge. Um, I'm looking at the bridges right now, actually. Okay, in 1958, mm-hmm. the lake is almost done. Like I said, it took three years from 1956. This um, also doesn't make any logical sense. It's massive. It's not. Yeah. When I think of a lake, I think of like a big circular entity. Yeah. This is weird and has branching paths. It's a, yeah, man made lake. When I think of a man made lake, I don't. You don't think it. You think of it being like a uniform type of thing. Yeah, this this but, actually looks very natural. I would assume yeah. this was real. It probably changed over the years. True, you're right. Over the last fifty years, mm. the nature takes itself back when it wants to. This is true. You're right. And okay, but less. What happened to the car that just fell in the water? I'm okay, here. 1958. The lake is almost done. I'm um, being filled. Um, two young women. It's uh, Delia May Parker Young and Susie Roberts. Uh, they were crossing over Lanier Bridge uh, when some, for some odd reason, uh, they lose control of the car and end up in the lake. Okay. Did they survive? No, they did not. Oh, dang it. So search teams failed to find remains from either of these women, and they failed to find the vehicle they were driving. Oh, okay. <clears throat> the only indication of any of this happening was skid marks from the car. And then somebody was like, yo, Susie, where are you at? We've been waiting for you. Yeah, they didn't make it home we that night. We had a night. party. And um, everything. So, 1959, a year later, a uh, mm-hmm. fisherman finds a body floating in the lake. Um, but no one could identify this person. That's because of bloat and, and decomposition. But they had noted that this body... Had no hands and was missing some toes. Are there animals in this lake? I'm not sure. Probably. Probably. They often sometimes when we build our own. A year though? We build our own ecosystems. We will do that. Would it be a year? Would it take a year for that to happen? Like you, for an animal to eat your hands off? Like a fish? Easier than weeks. Really? Yeah. Huh. Like I said, nature claims our bodies rather fast. I mean, depending on how cold the water is too. Okay. Um, So... In 1990, about almost 30 years later, uh, the lake is dredged up in, in preparation for new pillars for the bridge, um, where <laughs> they found it. Where they find a rusty car. Nice. The same one uh, Delia and Susie were driving. <clears throat> Don't haunt me, Delia and Susie. It's just very interesting. So I'm sorry, I'm so interested. On closer inspection, they find the remains of Susie Roberts. And who, um, you know, her, her bones were in the car. 
Um, so she couldn't get out before she drowned. Right. Um, so leading officials to believe that the no-handed body was of Delia. <clears throat> My issue with that is it's what, all of the body should have been bitten. Nommed on. Mm-hmm. Only no hands? Only no hands and some toes were missing. No hands feels like a mob hit almost. Right. Was, no hands, no teeth is see, a mob hit. This is, as soon as I saw that the body had no hands and no fingers or no toes, I was like, "This where was this at? Georgia? Hmm. This could, could this be like a racial thing maybe? I don't know. That's what I was thinking. Like, and we're saying like, oh, but if they were by themselves it was a, it was a, it was and somebody a, ran them off the road. Yeah, that's true. Maybe. I don't know. Conspiracy. Uh, here we go. <clears throat> so after that, there have been um, apparition sightings of a woman wearing a blue dress walking up and down the bridge. Um, she's been seen having no hands. Ah. At all. And apparently Susie can be seen, Susie's apparition can be seen wandering the back roads of Route 53. Which heads across the bridge. Yep. Oh, Susie. Poor girl. So. You know this means I'm going to have to go through like every season of Ghost Hunters to see if they went down there. They probably did. You know they fucking did. And Ghost Adventures. All of them. I gotta go see who's been down there. Zach's been Have down I there. already watched this and I didn't remember? <laughs> probably. I have so many ghost shows in my brain that I clearly may have forgotten. But like, this seems too interesting for me to have never heard of it before. So, I'm going to step away from the, the ghost, the paranormal stuff for a second. Okay. Um, and give you a little bit of different history. So... I had finished my research, right? Mm-hmm. I was talking to Tara today about it, mm-hmm. and I was telling her, you know, what I was covering, and she's like, "Oh, I've heard about that," and I'm like, "Okay, cool," and she's like, "Yeah, it's been over, over TikTok," and I'm like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Whoop. And <laughs> the irony that the one thing you searched suddenly went viral on TikTok. Yeah, I know. Yeah, she's like, yeah, a lot of people were talking about it and how um, there was a racial cleansing that happened. And that's why it's haunted. Was this a sundown town? This was a sundown county. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's why some folks didn't get no money. So me being me, I got, you know, I got, I got a look into it. So I did this before I came over. <laughs> no, it's all the, yeah. I mean, the majority of sundown towns were actually in the North, but there were definitely enough in the South. Yeah. Um, that's so, the thing I like to remind people when they're like, the North was against slavery and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I'm like not, the North had towns yeah. that would murder people if you didn't get out before uh, dusk. Fucking sundown. Before now. Like, yeah. <laughs> if you weren't on our way out now, they'd... Um, That's why the, the, the Blue Book and the Green Book were even created. Yeah. As a, an almanac for specifically black travelers to know where it was safe for you to stay. When you were traveling across America because of sundown towns. So I love it. And I love whenever it pops up into pop culture. Yeah. It happened with um, that HBO show, Lovecraft Country. Yeah. And it looks like it's popping up again. This is good. This is a part of history that we have conveniently forgotten. And fun fact for anybody listening, if you want to know where a sundown town is, look into your cities. If you want to know that you're living somewhere that used to be a sundown town, look into your city's census. Go back 100 years. If all of a sudden there are no black people in your town, 
it was a sundown town. You just have to go back to like, I would say after slavery, but before the civil rights movement and look to see if there were black people who lived there and suddenly none. Yep. High odds that you are living in a sundown town um, or county. Yeah. Yeah. This was a whole fucking county. Wow. Um, so one town that was absorbed by the lake was named Oscarville. Mm-hmm. Now you can still find Oscarville on a map. Old Oscarville, you cannot because it's underneath the fucking lake. I want to. I oh, I know there's got to be a YouTube video that's like an hour long of people just underwater looking at this town, mm-hmm. and it's what I'm going to do tonight. <laughs> First, I got to record a TikTok, and then I'm going to do this. This is how I'm going to go to sleep tonight. So Oscarville is uh, located in Forsyth County. I have heard of Forsyth County, though. Yeah, that's a place where, I guess, Oprah has gone. And it was like an interview that she did, and all the people in there were like, yeah, we don't like black people living in our in our community and stuff like that. This was, I forget when she did this interview, but I remember watching it. Why do I know Forsyth County? It's a F-O-R-S-Y-T-H. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, this, uh, this Oscarville was apparently um, reported as being an agricultural miracle uh, because the farmers had beat back bull weevils um, from their infestation back in the day and for the farmland, I guess, surviving the Great Depression as well. So, Oscarville's uh, supposed to have been... (gasps) I know why it's in my brain. Why? Because there's a news article the other day about police shooting a man who called 911 asking for help down in Forsyth. Oh. I was like, I know I just in my head recently. You know, I think. Yeah, they called 911 for help and they got shot. I think this is the area. Remember that one story? I I don't know if it, if I did the story, but it was like a, one of our uh, This Week in True Crime mm-hmm. um, where I was I brought up the woman who had died at her friend's birthday party or some shit mm-hmm. like that in Georgia. I think that's around this area, too, okay. that this happened, that that happened. Um, but yeah, Oscarville is supposed to have been an entire black community that was uh, basically just forced Worked out. Off. Yeah. Forced out of the area. Um, Bet you them bull weevils came back, didn't they? <laughs> uh, no. It was those those hooded weevils, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Um, Newport Dam development kept in touch with the court system uh, to make sure that the state could take the land from these residents um, because they'd ask every resident to give up their land, like to leave their land without like paying and stuff, except for five residents. That's it. Everybody wow. else, they're like, you got to leave. You got to get out of here. Um, now, there's this book. Um, including Oscarville, that's uh, titled Blood at the Root, A Racial Cleansing in America, Mm. (laughs) where author Patrick Phillips talks about the 1912 lynchings and the riots that followed the sexual assault and murder of a young white woman um, named Sleety May Crow. Uh, She was 18 years old. Um, They accused a black teen of committing the crime, but it's... uh, it's officially an unsolved crime. Um, so as a, as a result of this, um, around 
1,100 black residents fled Oscarville and Forsyth County um, out of fear of, you know, for their lives. Uh, so some of the ghosts there that may or may not haunt the lake. Of course. Maybe some black residents that... Listen, my favorite haunting is... Um, I, I love when slaves haunt people. Oh, yeah, And I fun. also love when indigenous people haunt folks. This is... I like... Yes, and I want people to move on to the afterlife, sure. But if you gotta <laughs> stay, you might as well make folks' lives miserable. I mean, yeah. But um, also, I just wanted to add this. This lake is dangerous as fuck. Don't swim yeah. in it. Like... I've I've seen a picture of it when it was a drought when there was a drought in Georgia, and they're like little there are literal trees and forests underneath the fucking water, like they're they're dead trees in the water. So be careful if you're going like if you if you visit well, there then one of the you know scariest videos I ever saw was it happened down in like Louisiana and someone was just watching and like my thing is when you know that the ground can do this, it's so like. They're, the camera's, like, watching this, like, swampy area. And then all of a sudden, you just hear a snap and trees and land across from where this person is, like, videotaping mm-hmm. just sink into the water in front of them. And I'm like, why are you still there? Hmm. That is death. Um, yeah, apparently it was an area where there used to be a salt mine. And that salt mine got flooded, and it's still very, like, unstable. And the ground just sinks into the mine every once in a while. Huh. So people go down there to watch it. And I'm like, this is frightening. It sounds like Centralia. It, uh, yeah, almost. Kind of, well, mm, Centralia got, was a coal mine. Yeah, but we got the steam coming up out of the ground. Yeah, the ground isn't time. like sinking into Centralia. No, it's Fun just fact, on fire. Though, there is a massive sinkhole in a Mexican farmland right now that has currently swallowed two houses. Oh. Yeah, it was in the news the other day. Well, look at this. Sinkholes frighten me. <laughs> yeah, they're kinda... We talk about things that we find scary. Sinkholes. They're kind of, um, you yeah. um, know. Riptides. Mm, yeah. Just I have like a real fear. Like, uh, uh, it's almost like an unreasonable fear of riptides. Huh. I used to be afraid of quicksand until I realized it was slow sand. And then... <laughs> quicksand is just don't, don't fight it. Let yeah. somebody pull you out. Yeah, basically. Just stand there and wait. We used to be afraid of quicksand as kids. That's funny. Um. Black holes. I used to have an irrational fear of black holes. Just a little bit, yeah. It's unpredictable. But there is one thing that I wanted to mention to anybody who's still listening, because mm. this is the end of our show. It is. Uh, one, thanks for listening. Like we did say, there is going to be Patreon, and one of our tiers is going to be an extra, like, we're going to call it its own little podcast. 30 minutes. What did you call it? Conspiracy Crypt? Conspiracy Crypt. Yes, Something that Brian like that. named it the conspiracy crypt. I'm sorry, I just thought of it on the fly. That's what it's going to be called. Which is going to be a 30 minute additional extra podcast of us discussing that sort of stuff. And I'm not entirely opposed to the discussion of conspiracies. Just some of them I find just they make my like angry. They make me angry. <laughs> um, but some of them I actually do have some really good ones. Like <laughs> one of my campers the other day came to me and was just like, you know the guy who landed on the moon? Oh, you told me about this. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, yeah. And he goes, his name backwards is Alien. He's like, we put an alien on the moon. And I was like, that's really cool. That's really cute. He was very proud of himself. <laughs> I'm proud that of him. he discovered the, uh, the, the conspiracy that Neil Armstrong is actually an alien. I love kids sometimes. So cute. 
Oh goodness! But yeah, we'll we'll have our Patreon up, but and yeah, then we'll we're have... gonna have um, multiple tiers. Mm-hmm. Uh, one just for folks who just want to help, get a little bit of yeah, um, give us a little push, and, and we'll have merch for people who want that. Yeah, and then we'll have gaming nights. Right, that's one of the tiers oh, for the night. Patreon. Is that once a month we'll have a gaming night, and you get to be on stream with us and participate. Yeah, it'll be fun. Um, and so. We'll probably have to max that out at like we'll have to cap that. Yeah, about like five people, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. With with Gardic Phone, you can technically have a lobby that's like fifteen plus people. Oh, there you go. Maybe we could do like ten. Eh, we'll, yeah. see. we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll see who's even interested. Honestly. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to have you know what do they call it? Champagne dreams. <laughs> we're just gonna, uh, we're gonna manage our expectations, and uh, if anybody wants to support us, I'll be shocked. Yeah, there you go. That's, that's <laughs> what I'm gonna say too. If anybody puts money in, oh, well, well, thank but you. I appreciate to it. To our like 1,500 people who are listening on a like weekly basis, <laughs> thank you so much. This has been a really awesome experience doing this. Yes. For you all, and um, it's totally worthwhile. Even though I have resigned myself to write a 10-page research paper every week for the rest of my life. It's crazy. Or until we run out of people to talk about, there you go. I mean, we will kill people. But it, it never stops. I'm like, I'm not going to stop finding anything creepy to talk about, and you're probably not going to run out of people that's killing true, people. That's true. That's true. So as long as you want <laughs> us, we're here. Basically. <laughs> oh goodness! And as always, you can find Brittany on TikTok at Cult Podcast. That's true. Always, almost every single day of the week. Yeah. Um, you can find me on Twitch at Foxy Trainer. I'm not going to change the name. It's just going to stay Foxy Trainer, whatever. Just find me on Twitch. I didn't stream last weekend because I was out of town, but this weekend I will be playing Doki Doki Literature Club. The oh, new- the new one came out. The new one is out on Wednesday. Oh, nice. So I'll be playing that. This uh, one's the pay one, though. The first one was free. Yeah, I- I so we'll care. see what happened I'll considering at the end of the first game there was just monica serious game breaking <laughs> stuff that had to be done to save you from a character in the game yeah yeah also are we gonna have to kind of put that under like a trigger, trigger warning? warning of a stream because yeah. the first one had some serious triggers i'm pretty sure it's gonna be like the same amount of stuff so it's gonna okay. be a trigger warning um what else you could always email us uh your Email us if you like this, like uh, the podcast, or email us if you have any stories you want us to read or research. Oh, about. absolutely, we will look into that. Yeah, um, you can email us at, us at cultpodcast at gmail or just head over to whenkillersgetcaught.com, which is our official website. That now. is, we do have a website, and yeah, you can just email us there too and check out our. We have a, our, I guess, an archive of all of our episodes now. All of too. our, yep, all of our episodes, and it also shows you every single place that you can listen to it uh on the like right side of the screen um it's pretty awesome i added my about me section to the website and brian will do that he was just gone so he couldn't do yeah it. i'm sorry i just have to do you were on a little vacation uh, I, was, I was on like kid vacation that's it was a little kid family vacation. vacation yes there you go but yeah that's all we got for this week yeah thanks uh, for listening yeah thanks have a good night <laughs>